Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Well, welcome. We're so glad that you've joined us, whether you're here at Urbana or you're joining us down in Sullivan or on Vineyard Live. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Well, during the month of November, we've been in our message series, God of Our City, where we've been unpacking God's heart for different sectors of our society. And we've been asking the question, how do we partner with God to bring change to our city? And we've learned some incredible truths along the way. We've learned that God is the builder of cities, and he's written us into the destiny of our cities. We've also learned that God is the defender of the poor. And the challenge to us that week was do for one what you wish you could do for all. And then last week, we learned that God is the inventor of industry and that we get to partner with him by stewarding what he's given us and watching his kingdom unfold where we work. And today I'm gonna conclude our message series where we're gonna unpack God's heart and love for education. You see, I believe that God is the teacher of truth, and today he wants to bring his truth to the issues facing education. So I'm just gonna pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come and to be the teacher. And so, Holy Spirit, we we just invite your presence today that we could hear your voice And hear your heart for schools and for education. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, growing up, one of my favorite games to play was school. Now, you may not have known this, but I was actually homeschooled through most of elementary school. So the idea of going to school was such a novelty in my head. I imagined it to be a beautiful, magical place of classroom parties, bathroom passes, gourmet hot lunches. So you can imagine my surprise when I entered fifth grade at Bottenfield Elementary School and I realized it wasn't all rainbows and unicorns. I really had a problem raising my hand. I blurted out every answer because I hadn't needed to raise my hand in homeschool. Bathroom passes, they were a total pain. I couldn't go to the bathroom whenever I wanted. That seemed so silly to me. But the biggest problem I had going to school, I had never written my name on my paper, ever. Can you imagine how much homework got turned in, nameless? Quite a bit. Well, thankfully, I did adjust, and although I did miss some things about homeschool, eventually I came to love public education, and mostly that was because I love people, and I loved meeting new friends and joining activities, and imagine or not, I chatted my way through most of the day, or when I wasn't supposed to be chatting, I was usually writing a note. Now, young people, before there was texting, we wrote notes to one another, and I have a picture of the most epic way to fold notes ever. You know who you are. You decorated the outside, you slipped it, you know, to one another. So I went on to Edison Middle School here in Champaign, and then I went to Central High School. Go Maroons, once a Maroon, always a Maroon. And, you know, my education, both being um, homeschooled and then public school, would influence me when I went to college at Olivet Nazarene University to uh, major in elementary education, because I wanted to become a teacher. And... After graduation, I returned to the Champaign-Urbana area, and I got a teaching job at Edison Middle School, where I had gone. And of course, it hadn't been that long, so actually there were a lot of teachers who had taught me, and they were still teaching. And in moments like that, I just really, a song rises up within me. The Circle of Life from Lion King. 
That's right. It's just like such a full circle moment. Isn't it amazing having talented friends? Thank you, Daniel. You know, it's like they taught me and now I'm teaching with them. It's just like the circle of life. Well, now I am the proud mother of three Bottenfield bees. Ty is in fifth grade, and Tate is in third grade, and Maggie is in first grade. And now that we have Molly in the family, I counted up, and we're going to be at Bottenfield for 18 consecutive years. So I've told the secretaries they're never going to get rid of me. I tell you all of this to share with you that my heart and my love for education, it runs deep. And I believe that it runs deep in our Father's heart, too. He loves children. He loves school. And he wants to show us today how we can partner with him to bring his hope, to bring his kingdom in our schools. But let's get serious for a minute. Because there are many deep and complex and, frankly, disturbing issues today with our schools. And as I was preparing for this message, I just tried to kind of tune in more to the problems that education is facing. And there are many problems that I can't get into, but I wanted to highlight a few so that we would understand the complexity of what's happening. You know, our schools are overcrowded and understaffed. My nephew, who goes to school in Iowa, is his kindergarten class has 29 five-year-olds for one teacher. You're trying to keep two kids alive, right? All day long. You know, classroom discipline and management is incredibly challenging in today's day and age. And honestly, many teachers are unprepared for the short attention spans and lack of parent involvement that they're facing. Just about a week ago, Bottenfield had to do the Alice drill. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Alice drill is an active shooter preparation. And the reason why our students have to do this is because in the United States alone this year, there were 44 school shootings. 44. Not to mention the mental health issues. A recent study in February 2019 showed that 74% of high school students say that they have mild to severe depression. Three-fourths of our high school students are struggling with depression. These issues, not to mention test scores and teacher retention and, and low funding, the, the problems, they feel never-ending. And it's not, honestly, just K-12. There's many problems in higher education as well. You know, there's pressure on universities to continue to have the revenue rise. The tuition cost is going up, and it's putting an incredible burden on students. Students are now paying student loans for years and years after they get degrees. It is so easy to see education as a mess. I thought it would be helpful for today for us to actually look at some data, some statistics from local school districts in our region here in central Illinois. And so I went on Illinois Report Card. It's an, a website. And I've gathered some data for us to look at. Now, it can be kind of overwhelming, so I'm just going to pick out a couple of things that I noticed. In the U.S., the national high school graduation average is 84%. But in Urbana and Champaign school districts, we are below that average. And this is a problem because we know that high school graduation is really important. It not only raises um, the money a person is able to make, but it also affects your quality of life, your need for government assistance in the future, and many other things. But probably the biggest thing that stood out to me within this data is the poverty status. This church building is located in Urbana, Illinois. In Urbana School District, 72% of students are classified as low income. 
That to me is staggering. Again, three-fourths of the students in this school district here in Urbana are low income. Champaign, 55%. Sullivan and Arthur, 44%. Now, some of you might say, well, what does that exactly mean? And that means that they're either receiving public aid, they could be classified as homeless, migrant, runaway, foster care children, or they live in a household where the income meets the requirements for low-income status. And what they found is that students who, who, who are low income, they face just a, a complex amount of problems, physical problems, mental, mental challenges, emotional challenges. And that's not to mention the chronic absenteeism and teacher retention. There are a lot of issues. And as I've said, you know, any one of these issues would be hard to deal with, but when we put them all together, it's downright overwhelming. It can leave us feeling helpless or fearful. And I was talking with a, a teacher this week, and he told me, you know, there is such a sense of hopelessness, hopelessness among young people these days, especially when it comes to education. And all this can leave us asking, is God really the God of our city? You know, what should our response be as Christians? Well, I have a little bit of bad news. Our response historically as Christians has not been good. Whether it's removing children from classrooms or burning books or raging against the system. When it comes to issues in education, Christian's response has often been to isolate, to separate. It's been laced with judgment and anger. And I believe that this response, it's not going to get us anywhere that we want to go. And so I think for some of us, the very first thing we need to do is we need to repent. What repentance actually means is that we turn and we change our minds. And I'm going to unpack what I believe the Holy Spirit is inviting us to. Because this is the question we're answering today. How do we partner with the Father to bring hope to our schools? How do we partner with the Father to bring hope to our schools? Because the truth is, God loves children, he loves young people, he loves schools, and he wants us to partner with him to bring his hope. Okay, so... Let's turn to God's word and see a little bit what God has to say about all of this. You know, we believe that God is the source of all truth. Truth belongs to God and it flows from who he is. And truth is personified in the person of Jesus. You know, Jesus is the greatest teacher of all time. I love how Dallas Willard, he's a famous Christian author, he wrote a book called The Divine Conspiracy. And in that book, he says that Jesus is the master of all things. You know, we don't often think of Jesus as the best teacher and the best principal and the best astrophysicist and the best carpenter, but the truth is he's an expert at everything. And in him lies everything that we need to solve every problem that we face. And so we want to look at him and look at his heart and look at his teachings. You know, God's heart is to give truth away, to multiply it, and he's always looking to pour into the next generation. We see this in the very life and ministry of Jesus. And so that you understand Jewish, Jewish culture a little bit, let me explain. So young boys, when they're you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, they're, they're taught the scriptures. And those that showed promise would be assigned to a rabbi. And that rabbi was their teacher. And that, that rabbi would teach them the scriptures, but he also would teach them whole life things. It wasn't just about the scriptures. It was about how to live life and live life well. So in the Gospels, we see Jesus. Usually the rabbis were about 30 when they began to gather disciples. We see Jesus as a 30-year-old, and what does he do? He begins to gather disciples. Did you know that historians and theologians believe that the disciples were between the ages of 13 and 18? Who knew? 
Jesus was the first youth pastor. Some theologians think that they could be as high as mid-20s, but many believe that they were a group of teenagers. Jesus took these 12 teens and he poured into them and he changed the world. And this is what I want to say to those of you who are teens or are young adults in this room. You don't need to wait until you're old to partner with Jesus to change the world with him. Every day you get to go to school. Every day you get to have influence over, over your teachers and classmates. Don't wait Don't wait to to help solve a problem someday when you're out of the very environment that God wants to bring reformation to. You can change the world with Jesus by partnering with him today. Well, Jesus revealed much about who God is and how God does things in his encounters with people. So I'm gonna turn now to John 14, 6, and I'm gonna read um, a passage here where Jesus talks um, about himself and his father. This is what he says. This is John 14, 6. Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. You see, Jesus is truth. And in him, we can know who our Father is. His disciples had a front row seat to learning about the kingdom of God in the cohesive context of Jesus's explicit and implicit teachings. And what Jesus was doing was he was teaching them who they were and the power that they had within them. So much of Jesus's teaching in the Bible is actually about how to live life well here on earth. It's not about the afterlife. It's about how do we live the life that God wants for us in the here and now. You see, discipleship was just a beginning form of school. Get this, discipleship Education is systemized discipleship. Now, the structure of education has been set by our government. And there is much debate over this structure and the effectiveness of it. But that's a discussion for another day. My charge to us today is this. Let's not surrender our influence. The structure is set for now, but we have the choice as to whether or not it's going to have a Christian influence involved. We don't choose the system, but we do choose to participate in the system with God in us. When we do that, the spirit of truth himself um, comes into the discipleship structure of our society. This, this is really important. See, we don't, we don't decide the structure, but we do decide if we participate in the structure. Again, why don't we partner? I think that's a question we must wrestle with because it's easier to complain, because it's easier actually to lean back instead of lean in. Why do we surrender our influence? Because people are messy and problems are hard. And as I said earlier, often our attempts have been laced with fear and control and anger. But one of the biggest tactics that I've seen of the enemy as of late is he actually just overwhelms us with all the problems that we're facing. And suddenly, instead of action, we're just left in inaction. We don't even know where to start, so we don't start at all. At its foundation, partnership is developed through relationship. This is so important. I'm gonna beat this drum all all day now. Without relationship, we will never have partnership or influence. You see, relationship is the building block of our influence. 
And so I thought it would be helpful to go to one of Jesus' famous teachings. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, where he talks about how we interact and relate to one another. When we think about partnering with Jesus to change the world, we first need to look at how we're treating the world. We're going to love people who are different than us. We're going to serve people that we disagree with. But because relationship is so important to the Father, Jesus' challenge here is going to be in how we see and love the world that he's sending us to to influence and impact. Because without love, there will be no change. He wants us to see the world that he, the way he sees the world. He wants us to love the world the way that he loves the world. And so I want to turn now to Luke 6, and I'm actually going to read out of the message translation. And I want to just, I want you to hear the language of relationship that the Father has for us here. So I'm going to pick up now in verse 27. It says this, to you who are ready for the truth, listen up, I say this, love your enemies. Now, let's not get tripped up on that word enemies, okay? I want you to think about people that are difficult to love in your life, people who are different than you, people who believe differently than you, people who act differently than you. And I want you to think about those people that they annoy you, they rub you the wrong way. Listen to what Jesus tells us. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. Here is a simple rule of thumb for behavior, ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way the Father lives towards us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. Give your life away. You'll find your life given back, but not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way generosity begets generosity. You see, are you ready for the truth? The truth is that Jesus empowers us to live a completely new life because he has made us new creations. We now live as righteous sons and daughters filled with his Holy Spirit, empowered to do the impossible. And yes, that means loving the unlovely. That means praying for those who annoy us. That means loving those and serving those who are different than us. How do we treat people? We treat people the way we want to be treated. How do we love people? We love without expecting in return. I am telling you, this radical passage, it would blow the socks off the world if we took this heart of relationship to our schools, to our businesses, to where we live and work and play, the world would change. Because everything that God wants to pour in us, he wants to pour through us. And so relationship is so important. How we're treating people is so important. Do we think we're going to change education without relationship? There's not going to be any money in the bank. This is going to get messy. This is going to get hard. But the way we bring change to education, to any area, is through relationship. And so I just felt the Holy Spirit challenging us today to say, how are your relationships? How are you loving people? Generosity begets generosity. This is the way and I love that promise. We're never going to regret it. Because embracing this truth can and will set us free to partner with the Holy Spirit to bring real change in every area that there's issues. Let's believe what he said. Let's follow his commands and we'll see his kingdom unfold. Okay, 
I think it might be time for some class participation. So, would you please stand right now if you work in the field of education? You're a teacher, you're on staff, you're in administration, please stand. Thank you. Okay, can we please honor these men and women for, for their work? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Stay standing. Stay standing. Okay, if you are, uh, if you are a student yourself, would you stand up? Would you stand up? Okay, keep standing. Everyone's going to keep standing. Okay, good. Look at all these students. Okay, if you are a parent or a grandparent of a student, would you stand up? Oh, wow. If you love someone who goes to school or who works at a school, would you please stand up? Now, I want you to look around this room. Whose problem is this? It's our problem. It's not their problem, it's our problem. And each of us is invited by Holy Spirit to be part of the solution. So thank you for participating. You can go ahead and take a seat. <laughs> oh, it's good. The Holy Spirit wants us to partner with him. And I just asked for him for some simple action steps today. And I felt like he gave me two P's of action. The first is prayer. You know, I think we so often underestimate the value of prayer in our lives. I know that I do this. But the power of prayer is so important. I'm going to read to you. This is not up on the screen, but this is James 5.16. Listen to the words. For tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Tremendous power is released. I'm so thankful I had my parents model this in their personal prayer lives every morning praying. But my mother was also an advocate for school prayer. And many years ago, she was part of a group called Moms in Touch that gathered different moms and prayed for the schools and the school district. And, you know, I was aware of that as a child, but I didn't really understand, you know, really what it was all about. Well, about four years ago, my, my son was in kindergarten and I met another mother and she shared with me that her husband was a pastor in the area at a different church and that the Lord had told her that she was supposed to start a prayer group. And she asked if I wanted to, to do it with her. And full disclosure, I did not want to start a prayer group, but she had found out that I was a pastor and I thought that was going to be sound really bad that a pastor and a pastor's wife did not want to start a prayer group. So I found myself saying, yes, I'd love to start a prayer group with you. And so for the past four years, Bonfield moms have been gathering about once a month, and now we meet at the church right next to Bottenfield, and it's open to anyone, any person who goes to, you know, different churches, different denominations, and we gather to pray for the students and for the school and for the, for the district, and what I love is we now have some moms whose kids have gotten out of Bottenfield, and so we just made it a Bottenfield Edison Central prayer group, and we'll pray for anybody. Moms, dads, you can do this. You can start a little prayer group for your school. You, you can do this. Families, you can, you can pray together for, for, your, for the schools that, that you're in. If, you don't, if you're not affiliated with a school, do you know who needs prayer? The University of Illinois, Parkland College, Lakeland College. You can commit to personal prayer in this area. The prayer of a, power, of a righteous person has tremendous power. Let us not underestimate the power of prayer. And I just felt a simple invitation from Holy Spirit. I felt like he said, ask the people if they would take one day a week to pray for 10 minutes over education, over students, over schools. 
Do you think you could do that? Think about the change that could happen. I love watching how the Holy Spirit has used this humble little Bottenfield prayer group to have answered a ton of prayers, and way more than just about our kids, our lives. So let's not underestimate the power of prayer. Okay, secondly is participation. Now this is a huge area, so I'm gonna hit a couple different things. Parents, I could spend an entire message just talking to parents and the role of parenting in solving the educational problems in our society because what I found in the research is that without a reformation in the family unit, honestly, education will never be 100% whole. And so parents, my, my, my charge to us today is to take seriously the role of parenting. Develop healthy habits, eat meals together, take time to have conversations, turn off screens. Mothers and fathers, know that both of your roles are very important. Fathers, speak identity into your children. Tell them who they are. Mothers, love and nurture and honor the giftedness that you see in your kids. We need parents involved at, at, in every way. Parents, get involved at your kid's school. Join the PTA. Volunteer in their classroom. Go on their class field trips. Learn kids' names. Learn the teacher's names. Learn the secretary's names. All of these things. Why, why are we doing all this? We're not doing it, you know, so that for our benefit, we're doing it for relationship because all change happens from this foundation of relationship. Relationship leads to partnership, leads to influence. And so parents, again, I could keep going on, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue moving on. Don't, um, don't minimize the role that you're playing in this whole area of education. Grandparents, same for you too. I'm so thankful my parents wake up every morning to pray for their 18 grandkids. Some who are not yet in school, but grandparents, you play an incredibly vital role as well. Well, some of you may be, participate by mentoring. And I want to tell you the story of my good friend, Jacob Fitton. He's on staff here, and he recently began mentoring a student. And I, I talked with him. I just said, you know, Jacob, how did you, you know, get connected in mentoring? Like, what kind of pushed you towards that? And he said, you know, he was talking with the Lord one day, and the Lord challenged him that while he was volunteering a lot in the house, he wasn't doing stuff out in the community. And Jacob is amazing with kids, and so he went through the process, and he recently got matched, and now once a week, he spends an hour with his mentee. And I love what Jacob told me. He said that when he uh, sees the calendar notification on his calendar, he prays for his student. When his student comes to his mind, he prays for his student. Double points, Jacob, because you both prayed and participated, so I'm really proud of you. Do you have an hour of time? Do for one what you wish you could do for all. The research is astounding. One solid adult connection in a student's life can make all the difference. Their trajectory can change. You change that student, you change their family. You change the course of history for that child. If you have an hour of time, consider, consider mentoring. Okay, last but not least, we praise by or we participate by praising. Now that might sound kind of weird, but so often if you're in the field of education, it's just like people, you know, it's all the bad news, all the hard stuff. But there are things to celebrate. The national average for high school graduation used to be 79% in 2011, and now it's 84%. We wanna celebrate that. We wanna celebrate that we are one of the few nations in the world that is dedicated to educating every child regardless of language, ability, religion, and creed. So we wanna take intentional time to praise, and so actually today, here at Urbana and at Sullivan, there's thank you cards by the doors. 
You can pick up a thank you card and write someone in education an encouraging note this week to say thank you for, for the ways that they've impacted you, the community, students that you know. We want to intentionally take time. But this is your action step. Take one way, one way and participate. There's lots of different ways. I wish I had more time to tell you some of the amazing things that this church and Sullivan is already doing. We're partnering with Muhammad Schools to provide coffee. We partner with St. Joe's Schools to provide backpacks uh, full of food for weekends. We, we are connected with King Elementary School, which is an elementary school very close to here. And right now, they're looking for mentors. They're looking for lunchroom helpers. In Sullivan, we, we partner with schools. Um, actually, we, we do a school shoe drive, and the schools know they can call Sullivan and get any kind of shoe they need for any student any time during the year. How amazing is that? There's also going to be a school drive coming up in January that you're going to want to check out Sullivan. So there are different things that we're doing. But here's, here's our charge to us. If we pray and we participate, schools will change. Schools will change, and our call is to change the world with Jesus, and that first starts by loving the world with Jesus, but you know, it's a big job, and it's so easy to feel overwhelmed, and so I want to end today by reading just a simple scripture to us that I felt the Father said to highlight, and it's from Galatians 6. It says this, so let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit right now. Therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. This is God's word to us. He is the God of our city. He wants to partner with us, but let's not get fatigued. He is working in our midst, and at the right time, we will harvest a good crop. So right now, let's take every opportunity, working for all. We will change our cities with Jesus as we love our cities with Jesus. Well, Holy Spirit, we just thank you for the work that you are doing. And we thank you, Father, for the opportunity to partner with you. God, I thank you that you care so deeply about relationship and you care so deeply about us. And so we just open ourselves up, Jesus, to the ways you want us to partner, whether it's prayer or participation, God. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, as we've been doing in all of our messages, we actually have a special guest here today who is going to do an interview with me. And so I'm going to have Delandis Beck um, come on up, and he'll explain who he is. But teachers, we actually have, or I shouldn't say teachers, if you work in education, we actually have a special gift for you today. You can text the word education to 97000, and we have a free Starbucks gift card for you today. And so you have to fill out a little thing, but if you do that, we just want to say thank you. It's Thanksgiving, and we want to be really thankful for all the work. So if you work in the field of education, you can text that number. Okay. It's so awesome. My friend Delandis is here, and so I want him to share a little bit about how, what he does and how he gets to partner with schools and education. And so just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, as she mentioned, my name is uh, Delandis Beck. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, I am an area rep with the Illini uh, Land Fellowship of Christian Athletes. By short, we call it FCA. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm an area rep. I serve uh, the Champaign, Urbana, and Rantoul schools. Um, Illini Land FCA as a whole, we actually serve uh, Champaign, Pike, and Douglas County. And within those three counties, we actually have 43 different middle schools, high schools, 
and it includes the University of Illinois yeah. and Parkland. And uh, also within that entire span of all those different schools, we actually have a little over a thousand different coaches that we actually serve. So a uh, mm -hmm. huge space that we have to be actually be serving in the schools. Yeah, and so what's kind of the mission and the goal of FCA? Absolutely, so the vision of Fellowship of Christian Athletes is to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. And the way that we're really able to do that is through our method of actually serving to and through coaches. So we okay. feel like coaches are actually, in fact, some of the most influential people in our culture. Um, it, you know, it's said that a coach may spend maybe 20 to 30 hours with a student athlete a week, which, you know, depending on the dynamics of a specific family, might actually even be more than the parents are actually spending with the kids. So we really feel like, you know, if we can uh, really begin to serve yeah. and love on coaches, they're the ones who actually have that influence year after year after year. And you really see that because, you know, I serve, you know, nine schools within Champaign, Urbana, and Rantoul, and I'm just one person. Yeah. You know, and, and I can only go into the school for a period of time, maybe an hour a day or 30 minutes a day, but that coach is there every single day. Yeah. A lot of times our coaches are also teachers in the school or they, they, they're security officers in, in the school. So they really are able to really have an impact on a sustained level. Yeah, I love how the approach is both that you're pastoring the, the adults who are working with students and you're pastoring the students. So what are some of the challenges that you're seeing like in schools and what the kids are facing? Sure. Uh, one of the biggest things uh, beyond what you've already mentioned today, uh, and actually you, you touched on it briefly, just the fact that a lot of students are lacking identity. And, and you really see that because of the breakdown of the family. And I know we don't have time to really go into all that right now, but uh, students are lacking identity. They don't know who they are. So, mm -hmm. of course, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, we focus specifically on student athletes. And one thing that we, we come to see is that a lot of times student athletes really believe that their, uh, their sport that they play is their identity. So, you know, you might ask a basketball player, well, well, who are you? And they say, well, number one, I'm a basketball player. And what we want to do is try to transition their minds and their hearts away from that. Not that their uh, sport isn't important because we love yeah. sports, but we want them to first be grounded and have that identity in Christ Jesus. And because, again, a lot of times the breakdown of the family and, and, and lack of fathers and that sort of thing, uh, we want to really help uh, secure that identity first at the foot of the cross. You know, what Jesus did on that cross, we've been adopted into sonship, and we want to help them understand that first. And then from that place, they're really able to have uh, so much more freedom and just joy yeah. playing their sport that they play. I love that. Yeah. Well, we did talk today about participation. So what's a way that people can participate with FCA? Sure, sure. Well, uh, Vineyard actually is really, really good at that. Uh, Vineyard actually serves me. They actually uh, show into my ministry with FCA. They actually support me financially. So that's one way because FCA actually is completely funded by the community. It's completely funded by churches and individuals like you all who uh, to sow into the ministry on a monthly basis. So you can do that, number one. But number two, you can actually participate. Yeah. You can participate, as Julie talked about. Uh, one great way to do that is through uh, volunteer chaplaincy. We actually, uh, again, I'm one person. I can't serve every single coach, every single program within my schools. But guess what? Uh, volunteer chaplains are able to come in and serve sport teams specifically, and they're able to spend time with that sport team yeah. throughout that entire season. A uh, perfect example of that is actually our very own Sam and Kirsten Warden, who yeah. are Revolution Pastors. They both are volunteer chaplains with FCA. They serve uh, at one of the middle schools, Jefferson Middle School, the basketball team there. They both serve the, um, the gymnastics teams at the University of Illinois. So uh, there's great ways for individuals just like you. And that's the thing. You don't have to be a pastor. I love that. You don't have to have a seminary degree. 
angry or anything like that, you know, we, of course, want you to have some foundational truths that you understand about this walk that we're walking. But it can be just anyone. It could be lay members, lay, lay participants, and you guys can come in. We'll, uh, we'll train you up. We'll give you all the resources that you need. But you can actually come in and be a chaplain I for a specific that. sport team yeah. and serve the kids and serve the coach. And it's yeah. just a wonderful arrangement. So good. Yes. Well, if you want more information or to talk to DeLandis, he's actually going to be up at Sign Up Central after the service. But would you just extend your hand? I'm going to pray and bless him. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you for DeLandis. We thank you for the ministry of FCA. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you. Um, I just hear the word vision for 2020 that the vision is big. And so, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you provide every need. You provide every volunteer need. You provide every financial need. And we pray for incredible breakthrough for students and coaches in Illini land area. Father, we thank you for this ministry, and we pray that you bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or... Join our Vineyard Life Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.